Daily news and analysis. We keep you informed and inspired. This is World Today. Hello and welcome to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. Coming up, a Chinese delegation joins North Korean commemoration of Korean War armistice. African leaders are in the Russian city of Saint Petersburg for a summit as Kremlin seeks more partners amid the fighting in Ukraine. The Federal Reserve has used U.S. interest rates to the highest level in some 22 years, and Niger soldiers went on television to announce coup in the Western African nation. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, download our podcast. By searching World Today, a senior Chinese official has led a Chinese delegation to attend activities in North Korea to commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Korean War armistice. Li Hongzhong, vice chairman of the National People's Congress Standing Committee, is the most senior Chinese official to visit North Korea since the outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. And of course, Pyongyang is holding a military parade as well as other activities this week to mark this particular anniversary. July the twenty seventh in nineteen fifty three saw the signing of an armistice agreement ending Korea War hostilities. North Korea and South Korea technically remain at war today because a peace deal, because a peace treaty, has never been signed. Joining us now on the line is Dr. Rong Ying, Vice President and Senior Research Fellow with the China Institute of International Studies. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now let's begin by talking about、um, history first.、Um, in China, the Korean War is better known as the war to resist U.S. aggression and aid North Korea. So, how has the war, including the 1953? Armistice deal or agreement、um, shaped the regional order in East Asia. Well, I think、uh, if you look at history, look at、uh, what happened seventy-three、uh, years ago, and of course talking about the seventy years of the signing of Armistice Treaty, it is really unfortunate that seventy、uh, uh, years has passed since the signing of Armistice Treaty. Literally, as you rightly said, that. The Korean War, the warring parties were literally still at war, and of course, it is a kind of a legacy、uh, left over from the Cold War, and it left not only the Korean Peninsula divided, but in in some sense, I think it leave the、uh, it also left the、uh, the region uh, that uh, has been at conflict or in in confrontation with.、Uh, With uh, uh, the warring uh, parties uh, represented by their blocs, particularly in the case of the United States, I think uh, uh, U.S. policy towards the region, the peninsula, and the region that's、mm-hmm. uh, been、uh, make capitalize on that and forge、uh, bilateral and or even multilateral、uh, military alliances, and making it even more difficult、uh, mm-hmm. to address the peace and stability issues. Yeah. So North Korean leader Kim Jong Un and his top、um, defense and foreign、uh, foreign policy officials have recently visited two cemeteries in his country, including one particularly for Chinese troops who died fighting along the North Korea during that particular war. Now, King himself expressed some open gratitude for the Chinese soldiers, calling them、uh, martyrs who will be immortal in the hearts of the Korean people. So, what is your take regarding China's、um, role during the war? Well, I think China's、uh, the decision made by China, made by Chinese government at that time, seventy-three years ago, was very difficult. And but it, I think China. Had to,、mm-hmm. and uh, as the the、uh, the war team for Chinese is, I mean, concerned, it it was a war to resist the aggression of the U.S. and to assist、um, Korea. And these soldiers, these martyrs, were volunteers, and they sacrificed their precious lives for the sake to defend the homeland of China, to defend the new China that was just born. 
for the safety and the security and to defend peace and stability in the region. I think as we look back, as we commemorate the uh, anniversary of the 70th anniversary of the signing of the Amnesty Treaty, I think it is really high time for us to remember, to memorize, and, in, and more importantly, to pay tribute, respect to the sacrifice of their precious life for the peace and stability of the safety uh, of, of China and the region. Mm. So by sending a by sending an official delegation to North Korea this time, what do you think is the message that Beijing is trying to send? Well, I think China treasures very much its relationship with uh, North Korea, and as we have seen over the past decades, the relationship has developed, has nurtured with the care, personal care of the leadership of the two countries. And making this relationship with connected by mountains and the rivers, and with strong, lasting tradition and friendship, even stronger. And as China and North and the DPRK are working together and for uh, promoting their respective development, explore their roles for development, and working together to make contribution for uh, peace and stability in the region. By coordinating, by strengthening strategic communication and coordination, this is very much important. I think this is the very purpose, I believe, uh, for the high sending a high level visit uh, to DPRK to commemorate commemorate the sacrifice, the contributions that China and uh, DPRK for being working together, fighting side by side as comrades in arms. And to defend their own、uh, safety and security, and for peace and stability on the peninsula and for the region.、Hmm. Now, actually, when responding to a question about whether Washington has any concern about、uh, Beijing showing support for Pyongyang with this particular visit on this particular occasion, a deputy spokesperson of the U.S. State Department. Um, has called on Beijing to play a more constructive role in diffusing re- regional tensions and bringing Pyongyang back to the、uh, negotiation table or back to dialogue.、Um, wh- wh- how would you make of、um, the- this comment from this、uh, U.S. State Department spokesperson? And in your observation, frankly speaking, do you think China is or has been helpful? In terms of creating the necessary or the right kind of conditions for a political solution, a political settlement of the Korean Peninsula issues. Well, I think China has played a due role in、uh, making constructive contributions to peace and stability on the region, and more importantly, for a political set for finding a political settlement on the Korean Peninsula、uh, issues, and as. We we are discussing. I think the crux, the root causes of the tensions or problems、uh, on peninsula is largely because of the Cold War. It's largely because,、uh, primarily because of there's no、uh, peace treaty、uh, to replace、uh, the Amitis、uh, uh, Agreement, which I think long ago China has proposed. Uh, but it was rejected by the United States in the early 1950s, shortly after the war was、uh, sort of、uh, ceasefire was achieved. And ever 20 years ago, in 2003, again China has working a player, I mean, providing working very closely by providing good office to bring the parties directly concerned,、uh, DPRK, United States. Uh, uh, for the the so-called the the six the, to achieve a so-called six-party talks framework, and the, then in 2015, actually 2005, and the、mm. joint statement reached. There are many agreements, unfortunately, that have been not resolved. These agreements, unfortunately, are not being resolved. So the crux or the rule, the role play, played by China has always been helped. But there are unhelpful forces or development in the region,、mm. and for that to happen, I think China again made it very clear 
the due so called due uh, approach uh, and uh, uh, synchronized phased manner to achieve uh, a political setup. But more importantly, I think the most important thing is we should work together to push for the transition from armistice treaty, uh, armistice, armistice uh, agreement to a peace treaty, which again, by the way, it is an agreement that has been arriving from these six-party talks and other related agreements, bilaterally, multilaterally. Hmm. So overall, do you think the ties between China and North Korea are a force for good to the region today? And earlier, uh, you talk about that uh, the, the, the fundamental cause, the root cause of the Korean War Yes, because of the Cold War, right, featuring ideological mentality or confrontation. If we take a look at the region today, do you think uh, the, this particular region is running a risk of entering another um, Cold War or Cold War 2.0? Is there such a risk? The risk is, is real and very much, I think, uh, uh, rising in the sense that People are not really worried about there will be uh, sort of uh, 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 recreation. I mean, I mean the Cold War or kind of new Cold War, because as China as advocating or promoting the political settlement to the to the problems on the peninsula, as promoting the transition uh, from armistice treaty to a peace regime. There are other sort of thinking represented by the United States and its military alliance that was, would like to uh, push for military, I mean, non-military uh, uh, military alliance. And yeah. that makes the situation even more complicated. And even more, I think we have seen warring signs that an attempt to bring in, to incorporate the question our Korean Peninsula to a bigger agenda, the so-called Indo-Pacific strategy. That is even more a danger, uh, or have round even more risk in terms of bringing a kind of a, a block politics, uh, re-emergence of Cold War, which in the end I think that they will lead to more tensions and even conflict. That is, I think, one of the significant, really, the issue when we commemorate the 70th anniversary of the Armistice Treaty, when we look at the, uh, I mean, the, the, the root causes and we want to, want to ensure peace and stability will maintain in the years ahead. Mm, yeah, unfortunately, somebody is even attempting to bring NATO into this region to deal with the Korean Peninsula issues. That will be very unfortunate, but hopefully, let's just hope for the best that uh, at the end of the day, cool heads and uh, reasoning will prevail. But thank you very much. That was Dr. Rong Ying, Vice President and a Senior Research Fellow with the China Institute of International Studies. You are listening to World Today. Stay with us. Hello, my name is Alessandro Golombievski Teixeira. I'm a professor of public policy and management at Tsinghua University in Beijing. I am a great listener of the world today. In my opinion, The World Today is one of the best China radio programs. In The World Today, we can get the best news and analysis in what is happening now in the world. So please, come to join us. You are listening to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. African leaders are gathering in the Russian city of St. Petersburg for a two-day summit with President Vladimir Putin. Putin has billed this meeting as a major event which would bolster Russia's ties with a continent of 1.3 billion people. It is the second Russia-Africa summit since 2019. Seventeen African heads of states are attending the summit compared to 43 people at the 2019 event. Kremlin has blamed what it names as the blatant Western diplomatic interference for the smaller number of African leaders attending. So joining us now on the line is Dr. Zhang Xing, Deputy Director of the Center for Russian Studies, East China Normal University. Welcome back. Thanks. 
for having so, me. So actually, many major actors in the world today are stepping up their diplomatic engagements with Africa nowadays. China, of course, but apart from China, India, Turkey, the Gulf states, South Korea, Japan, and of course, Western powers as well. In the case of Russia, what do you think、um, Russia is really looking for? For the past few years, I think Africa definitely is increasing in terms of its uh, uh, ranking in Russia's overall、uh, foreign policy priority.、Uh, more specifically, I think Russia is looking for、uh, three sets of goals、uh, in engaging with、uh, Africa. One is、uh, through Africa, Russia is trying to、uh, establish alternative、uh, economic partnerships, particularly partnerships beyond the traditional. A close tie between、uh, Russia and Europe.、Mm. A second is to Russia is interested in、uh, taking Africa、um, as a main field to expand its、uh, geopolitical leverage. And the last one is、uh, Russia is taking、uh, Africa very seriously as a key part of、uh, Russia's promotion promotion of、uh, the uh, a multipolar polar world.、Um, mm. I think these are three. Uh, clearly defined goals set by Russian state in its relation with Russia,、uh, with Africa in the past few years.、Mm. So today there are actually still considerable amount of academic and research ties between Russia and Africa, which were developed during the Cold War when many African、um, people studied at the Soviet,、uh, you know, Soviet era universities. So to Russia, do you think this is、um, a competitive advantage in terms of? Vying for influence in in Africa with other powers. Yes, to a large extent, I agree with your your assessment.、Um, Soviet Union has played an important role in Africa's um, uh, economic, social, and political development, as you briefly mentioned. Right.、Um, actually, even today,、mm. uh, quite a large part of some Africans' uh, military uh, top-level generals received. Either directly or indirectly, training from the Soviet system, and what's particularly important, especially in comparison with European countries, Soviet Union claimed to be the one that did not have a imperialist colonial relation with Africa,、mm. which I think, to a large extent, is true historically. And、okay. also, Soviet Union did have a reasonable internationalist agenda. Uh, and that agenda applied to applied historically applied to uh, uh, Africa, Latin America,、uh, Asia, what we、uh, call the third world、uh, back in the Soviet period. So、mm. Russia, to a large extent,、uh, is uh, is taking over that heritage, and、uh, particularly in the past few years, really tried to build build on that Soviet heritage, particularly uh, in uh, relative to the、um, uh, European colonial. Power, right? So we try to、uh, Russia try to take advantage of that and portray itself as a major、um, economic partner and a political uh, power uh, that did not have a colonial past、mm. with uh, uh, with Africa, and that to some extent already played its role.、Right? For example,、uh, since the breakout of、uh, the Russo-Russian、uh, Russo-Ukraine war, some African country, particularly in the Francophone African A region. Some countries'、uh, overall、uh, image of Russia actually has been on the rise,、oh. and that 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 partly contribute to the、uh, the Soviet、uh, legacy and this non-colonial, non-imperialist、uh, historical ties between Africa and the Soviet Union. Hmm. Thank you for putting this into perspective. Now, actually, to many African countries, it seems a major concern at the moment. Uh, comes from Moscow's recent decision to discontinue this deal for the safe export of both Ukrainian and Russian grain through Black Sea ports. Now, President Putin has, of course, pledged to make up for that、uh, shortfall. But how do you think this issue, this particular issue, will have an impact on the relations between the two? Uh, this is this issue is of, of course of the utmost importance for、uh, some African country whose、uh, 
really been uh, has been subjected to a severe uh, grain and foodstuff shortage uh, impacted by the ongoing military conflict in, in Ukraine and also the recent failed uh, continuation of the uh, Black Sea uh, grain deal. So far, Russian state has uh, proposed uh, to offer both uh, grain aid, uh, uh, grain exports to Africa in the form of aid, and also uh, an enhanced uh, grain trade to Africa on commercial basis uh, as a uh, replacement of this failed um, mm, Black Sea yeah. grain deal. So we will see how much uh, like uh, aid in for free and how much commercial uh, transaction that will be implemented between Russia and uh, Africa. But in, in all, all in all, I think this is going to be a, a key issue and the world is, is being discussed right now in the summit in, in St. Petersburg. Uh, so what will come out of this summit probably will, uh, in terms of this grain deal, will definitely have a immediate direct impact on Russia's relation, uh, overall relation with Africa. Hmm. Now, in terms of the security ties between Russia and Africa, the attention seems to be increasingly focused on the, this private Russian military contractor, Wagner. Now, Wagner's mm-hmm. boss has recently promised a sort of expanded focus on its um, African um, operations. Now, Western countries, as well as some particular Governments in West Africa see Wagner seem to see Wagner as a threat to the security in West Africa. But what is your observation? Uh, on the one hand, in terms of Wagner itself, I think uh, its uh, political fate within Russia seems to come to an end. Yeah. But uh, a large part of its rank and file soldiers, are fighters, are, have moved to Belarus, may still continue to play a role. And it's not clear whether um, Russian state has made a completely, a, a completely end uh, Wagner's uh, possible activities overseas. So its role in Africa or in some other parts of the Soviet world may still continue. That's one. Second is uh, Wagner for the past few years seemed to have um, forged a functional relation with some of the uh, local political elites within some uh, of African countries, right? So mm-hmm. they provide some sort of a security guarantee, security provision uh, in exchange for easy, cheaper access to uh, local resources, be it gold or diamond uh, in Africa, etc. Uh, so that kind of relation, to some extent, do provide a certain level of security for these uh, hosting uh, countries. So it's not that uh, easy to, to claim Wagner's mm. existence in Africa is an overall threat to security in, in, in Africa, particularly in the Western Africa. Yeah. And uh, that kind of uh, functional security role, as I just mentioned, if Wagner's fate overseas is not completely uh, over yet, that kind of security arrangement may still play a role in, in the near future. Mm. So a China-Russia joint statement issued during President Xi Jinping's visit to Moscow earlier this year vows to strengthen coordination on African affairs and jointly contribute to peace and development on the continent. Now, realistically, what do you think are the areas where Beijing and Moscow could possibly cooperate in Africa? Briefly, one minute. Oh. Uh, rhetorically, on uh, uh, ideational level, I think Russia, China, to some extent, is already coordinating tacitly, maybe by mobilizing uh, the idea of global south. And Russia side is more, even more eager to um, promoting this idea of uh, world majority. Uh, so, in terms of that, under this ideational level, we already see some tacit coordination between China and Russia. Um, but on practical terms, in energy. Mining and uh, infrastructure, construction, um, building, these sectors, there might be some room for Chinese mm. companies and uh, Russian companies to, to coordinate. But we, I, I wouldn't hold like, the expectation too high on the practical terms. But this, so far, I think two countries have their own agenda yeah. uh, in economic engagement and uh, have been uh, worked out in, in, in parallel to some extent. So mm. don't hold the expectation too high over it. Very, very tight collaboration directly between okay. Russia and China and Africa. Thank you very much. That was Dr. Zhang Xing from East China Normal University. We'll be back after a short break. Stay with us. 
Welcome back to World Today. I'm Ding Han in Beijing. The U.S. Federal Reserve has raised interest rates by a quarter percentage points to 22-year high as it continues to have a fight against inflation. The rates are now at a range of 5.25% to 5.5%. The decision came after the central bank paused its rate-hiking cycle last month. U.S. inflation has declined for 12 months on end. It is、um, currently running at an annual rate of 3%, down from over 9% in June last year. Fed Chair Jerome Powell has indicated a possibility of hiking rates again in September if data warrants. So, joining us now on the line is Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. So, do you agree that、um, the U.S. economy has remained robust despite this eleven rounds of rate hikes that the Fed has now、uh, implemented? Actually, my understanding is depends on what、uh, the meaning of、uh, robust means. Because that you were talking about the start point of the hiking of the rates, it is sometimes it's believed to be overheated. So after eleven hikes on the interest rate, I think that the economy is.、Uh, You know, probably just trying to return to its、uh, normal speed. But if you are looking at some of the policies of the U.S. government, they are trying to use or introduce industrial policies to to limit the choices of the. So, really,、mm-hmm. are sometimes not only from the monetary effect, but also from the real economies. Some of the demand has shrinked because of the rates. Hmm. Yeah. So. That's one issue、uh, we're going to discuss later on.、Uh, now, some market analysts believe that the Fed is down with、um, hiking rates because there are said to be enough signs of inflation moderating. So, by the time the when the Fed officials are to be met in September, it is likely to be evident in both inflation and the economic growth broadly. What is your thought about this? Yeah, I agree with that. You, you know that they have the the two different goals they want to reach, but、uh, you know we're still not not so certain about the you know the, the next two months because the world is changing very quickly and the United States is trying to change the pattern of the international trade and economic cooperation relationship, especially with China and some of its so-called allies. So if it is a, a kind of problems when the the demand not only you know coming from its domestic market when it has to Do something with other countries. I don't think that is that certain for the Fed to trying to 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 trying to normalize so-called normalize its、uh, rate policies or even go to another directions of lowering the rates. So it still depends on, in my understanding.、Hmm. So in a scenario where Rising borrowing costs are making it much more, you know, much much more difficult or challenging for average Americans to get access to, you know, loans and credit.、Um, in this kind of scenario, do you foresee any potential problems in the near future? Yeah, actually, you know, it's a kind of a very important cost for the U.S. consumers to bear for the high, very high interest rates. So if they want to to buy the houses or even consume to buy different kind of products like the cars, new vehicles, they may they may think about that cost of doing that. So when they are trying to do that, they may think about the cost of、uh, you know for the future、uh, several terms, especially for the investment in the private sectors. As yeah, the Biden administration is trying to、uh, or revital its、uh, industries,、uh, manufacturings,、yeah. the investment are not that easy. To be recovered based on the, such a high cost of interest rate. Hmm. So yeah, that's another issue because、um, the reason why the Biden administration wants to increase investment is to at least partially to to be able to compete with、uh, Chinese industries, right? In terms of、uh, development of renewable、uh, renewable energy, etc., etc. Now, if we take a look at the track record. Uh, the past experiences tell us that each time when the Fed hiked up its、um, borrowing costs in order to fight domestic inflation in America, that would be a blow to emerging markets and some of those low-income economies. 
uh, whose foreign debts are denominated in U.S. dollars. So looking at such a scenario, do you think this is actually another form of America first policy? Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I do think that this is a much more serious problem that the world is facing because that we know, uh, according to the latest publication from the UNCTAD the, of the UN, they have published a report to see that uh, the developing countries are in very high, heavy debt. And uh, actually, the debt, uh, I mean, when they are trying to borrow the money from the foreign market, the interest rate is about four times of the United States. So if the United States continue to increase its interest rates, other countries, especially developing countries, are suffering more. So it's a really big problem because that for about 20% of the developing countries have uh, have to pay more interest rates than they can spend for the health and some related areas. It's a very, very serious problems. Hmm. Thank you, as always, for joining us. That was Dr. Zhou Mi, Senior Research Fellow with the Chinese Academy of International Trade and Economic Cooperation. You are listening to World Today. We'll be back. You are listening to World Today. In the Western African country of Niger, soldiers have announced a coup on national TV. They claim they had dissolved the constitution, suspended all institutions, and closed the country's borders. President Mohamed Bazoum has been held by troops from the presidential guards since early Wednesday. Bazoum is a key Western ally in this fight against the jihadist militancy in West Africa. In recent years, two neighboring countries of Mali and Burkina Faso have also experienced coups triggered by jihadist uprisings. So joining us now on the line is Dr. He Wenping, Africa expert, as well as a senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Uh, we understand actually President Bazong was elected back in the year 2021 in what was caught by some people, some observers, as uh, Niger's first democratic power transfer since gaining independence. Now, putting away this uh, discussion or speculation about whether this particular coup has succeeded or not, what do you think that um, this fact that a coup has happened tells us about this country? Well, uh, actually, it wasn't a surprise for me to know this coup uh, happening in Niger or even other uh, Western African countries. Because why? Because now it seems like a domino chief. Mm. Uh, it uh, already started like uh, two years ago, 2020, and then in Mali, and then even happened twice in Mali, and then Burkina Faso the following year also happened twice. Uh, in this country, and then Guinea, uh, Bishaw, and then so one by one, one by one, because all those uh, Western, Central Western countries share similarity uh, things in terms of uh, uh, poor economic development, and also uh, that is anti-terror. We all know now the global anti-terror, this frontier, already moved from Middle East uh, now all the way to the Sahel uh, region in uh, Africa. Yeah. So Sahel. All those Western, Central Western countries, now they uh, along that area. So they have been suffering uh, quite a lot, the terrorist attack, and then also the, the relationship, uh, how to get along with the French troops. Now all of this is uh, becoming combined together. So that's why we have seen uh, this, uh, this uh, military coup d'etat happen one by one. Actually, uh, this Niger, uh, in terms of this country, is small, tiny, and also poor, uh, least developed country. And uh, as you said, uh, just uh, recently in the 2021, uh, just got the so-called the first democratic power, uh, this transfer uh, since independence, because it has been suffering uh, at least four times a military, those uh, uh, ever since independence. So even uh, the people uh, not feel that surprised uh, when they hear uh, another uh, military coup happening in this country. Hmm. 
Now, actually, you know, in this particular case, um, since his election, uh, Bazoum has been slowly consolidating a fragile political power base by making his own, you know, appointments to some of these very key positions within the military, within the, the you know, the security apparatus. So why do you think doing so, even doing so, has not prevented a coup from, uh, from occurring? Yes, uh, which means uh, he uh, hasn't fully consolidated his power, okay. especially in the military circle, uh, even uh, from his own this uh, president, president uh, this uh, uh, defending this uh, guard. Because uh, as far as I know, uh, there is some uh, dispute has been building there, uh, deeper and deeper between himself and his government with this uh, uh, president, uh, this uh, guard security this forces. Actually, he wanted to fire, uh, dismiss uh, this, uh, you know, the commander in chief of this uh, security, uh, presidential security troops. But eventually, ended up uh, he himself being sacked uh, by this uh, uh, presidential uh, security troops. Uh, so, which means uh, he hasn't fully uh, in charge of all this uh, military power before he even counted on uh, mm. those uh, military one can help him and then to disperse. Uh, to defeated this uh, presidential this guard, but uh, finally uh, we find the final this uh, show up uh, from that uh, military coup leader. Uh, he had already uh, make uh, one step uh, advance, you know, first uh, compare with this president uh, together with himself, and then standing behind him, we have seen uh, all other military leaders, other generals, all teamed up with this uh, military coup. Uh, this leader. So, which means uh, President uh, uh, Bazoum himself now becoming lonely, a lonely president. Mm. Now, talking about a lonely president, uh, Bazoum is is actually, you know, arguably the only Western ally still standing in that region of Western Africa. Let's put it in this way. So, what? Why do you think this region has overall? turned against the West in recent years, especially against um, France, we understand. Yes. Uh, the reason said the only Western island, I think, also refers to the relationship with uh, uh, France. Uh, because we all know since 2013, uh, the French government sent the anti-terror troops all the way to Mali, and then also goes with other central Western countries, saying to organize and then to lead uh, this anti-terror, uh, this, uh, you know, fight. But uh, from 2013 up to now, uh, entire 10 years has passed, but we couldn't see any improvement of this anti-terror. Actually, the terrorist attacks uh, killed people, kidnapping uh, innocent people, those things uh, happened even more frequently. And plus, uh, French anti-terror troops uh, based in Mali and also Burkina Faso, all those uh, bases, and then they even had some, uh, uh, you know, called uh, myth, uh, like when they drop some bombs, uh, actually not drop on the terrorist group of this camp, and then if a uh, uh, myth dropping, saying to the civilian people, I still remember seeing a wedding ceremony, mm-hmm. uh, even has been dropped, becoming a target uh, by the French uh, this anti-terror uh, forces, and then kill the people gathering in that uh, uh, wedding ceremony. So... Uh, gradually, gradually, also the people's uh, uh, resentment uh, to French uh, existence in their country now becoming stronger and stronger. So that is why uh, this region now, even the military coup, uh, if they're saying, oh, I'm against the French occupation, I'm against the French existence here, they can immediately get uh, those mass support from people. So why not? So can play use uh, this, uh, you know, this card and this chip card yeah, one, so, so against the French uh, opinion, because the French government also saying, oh, you are military coup. Uh, you, you don't have any legit, legitimate, uh, this, uh, mm. uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this status at all. So that's why uh, we, we see this uh, confronting, confrontation between those uh, coup d'etat uh, government and then with the Western forces uh, getting serious uh, more and more. Mm, so a lot of painful lessons for the West to learn from. Now, actually, this week, there is a Russia-Africa summit uh, held in the Russian city of St. Petersburg. Now, when we talk about Russia's uh, presence on the African continent, 
um, private military contract Wagner is uh, drawing a lot of um, increasingly drawing a lot of um, attention nowadays. Now, Wagner's boss has recently promised to expand Wagner's uh, operation uh, on 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 African continent. So, I mean, if let's suppose if this uh, let's assume that if this coup in Niger will go through. Will that pave the way for Wagner to establish a footprint in this country? Yeah, the answer is absolutely yes. Ah,、uh, if this coup、uh, in Niger now also has been、uh, proved, that there is、uh, evidence that Wagner also getting、uh, engagement in. So that's、uh, no doubt about. So Wagner now continue to expand、uh, its influence in Africa. Not only like、uh, they used to be in Sudan, I、uh, started from Sudan and then Central Africa Republic, and then even moving、uh, to the south, even all the way to the Mozambique.、Uh, so you can see、uh, when there is、uh, some places in trouble, and then you will see、uh, the Wagners,、uh, their footprint、uh, moving in. Especially、uh, in Western Africa, in recent years, we have seen a very obvious、uh, phenomenon. That is,、uh, French troops now, French troops now are gradually stepping out, and then now the Wagner's、uh, footprint、uh, now steadily moving in. So one is out, another is in. So、mm-hmm. it's、uh, obviously to see uh, this uh, Russian's influence,、uh, even though. Uh, seems in trouble with uh, Ukraine. Uh, this crisis that、uh, they still,、uh, you know, taking place the second Russia-Africa summit, and、uh, try very hard、uh, to keep and even to expand their influ- influences,、uh, the influences in Africa. So with Wagner、uh, serving as、uh, some people saying, this is like、uh, you know frontier, like、uh, you know even、uh, described it like a knife,、uh, you know, getting、uh, in those.、Uh, Uh, trouble, some trouble places are、uh, in a very、uh, rapid way, and you see they certainly they will support、uh, those military coup,、uh, those、uh, military forces, and then say now we are stand by your side,、I、even can help you、uh, to consolidate your very fragile、uh, this situation.、Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is the now uh, uh, very uh, obvious thing now happening. Yeah, so we will wait and see regarding whether the changing dynamics in the region will have a spillover effect on the broader regions of security and development. But thank you very much. That was Dr. He Wenping, a senior research fellow with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. You're listening to World Today. Stay tuned. A Chinese scholar says a plan to build a demonstration area of integrated development across the Taiwan Strait in the Fujian Province will boost cross-strait integration. Liu Kuangyu, a researcher with the Institute of with the Institute of Taiwan Studies, Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, noted, although the details of the demonstration zone is yet to be released, given the already deep connections between Fujian and the islands of Kinmen and Amazu, the zone is likely to be the starting point for Taiwan compatriots to enjoy the same treatment on the Chinese mainland as local residents. Now, in a conversation with my colleague Xu Yawen, Dr. Liu says the zone shows the central government's people-centered development ideology, which will improve people's livelihood in the region and enhance the sense of Chinese identity for people on both sides of the Taiwan Strait. Let's take a listen. China has recently formulated an opinion on supporting Fujian Province to build a demonstration zone for cross-strait integration development. So, could you share with us more details about this opinion piece, as well as this demonstration zone? Yes, first,、uh, let's take a look at the important meaning of this、uh, demonstration zone of this opinion. We know that creating a cross-strait integration development demonstration zone is a major plan. Uh, made by the CPC Central Committee, based on the overall situation of the long term, and it's the first move and a breakthrough、uh, in exploring a new path to cross-strait integrated development.、Uh, we see that the panel will promote cross-strait integration and development, and to to expand wider fields and deeper levels to raise implementation in Fujian and many and maybe many other areas as well. It will improve the top-level design. It will help Fujian Province and the relevant 
departments provide stronger safeguards and guidelines for actively exploring the new path of cross-rate integration and making greater strides on the path. It is also conducive to maintaining peace and stability in Taiwan Strait, solidly advancing the process of reunification of the motherland and providing rich materials and vivid experience for promoting the development of CPP's theory of national unification and a new practice of the one country, two systems. Although the much anticipated opinion on and support of the construction of the demonstration zone has not yet been published uh, details, uh, it can still be expected that the construction of the improvements and policy support and service system for Taiwan competitors and Taiwan enterprises may be the focus of this opinion. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it should be accelerated from the two aspects in improvements of the demonstrations and in, in support systems. The first is to focus on improving and enhancement of well-being in Taiwan competitors and enjoyments of the parity of treatment policies to support Taiwan competitors to expand participation uh, in cross-trade integration and development of the construction of the demonstration zone. Secondly, we see that the efforts will be made to improve institutional mechanism to provide uh, institutional support for the construction of the demonstration zone and and in, uh, to add uh, some uh, institutional kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. Well, you touch upon this, the benefits that will bring to Taiwan compatriots, but uh, we would love to have you elaborate more on that, like how exactly will the demonstration zone bring concrete benefits to Taiwan compatriots? Because we have also learned that this opinion aims to ensure Taiwan compatriots enjoy the same treatment on the mainland right. as local residents. For example, uh, Taiwan compatriots in Fujian will have guarantees for medical treatment, for housing, also on social security, pension, as well as uh, children's schooling. So could you tell us more details, give us some more example about your observation on this? Yes, just like you described, the opinion will adhere to the people-centered development ideology and raise the level of protection and improvement of people's livelihoods in the region so as to enhance the sense of Chinese identity of the people on both sides of the Taiwan Strait uh, within the demonstration zone. And I believe that actions will be taken to treat Taiwan competitors equally and uh, system policies to enhance people's well-being will be continuously improved with uh, a stronger posture and so that the people will, people in the demonstration area will have a fuller, more secure and sustainable sense of gain, happiness, and identity. And second, the two sides of Taiwan Street uh, belong to different social systems, different tariff zones, different uh, legal systems from different monetary systems have long been politically antagonistic. So to build cross-street integrated development demonstrations, we should scrutinize and assess in detail the real challenges that we might face and based on the mainland's policy towards Taiwan and the actual situation on both sides of Taiwan Strait, we should make sure there are laws, uh, justifications, and regulations throughout the entire process of dealing with the situation. Um, specifically, Fujian has set up the, the first integrated service center for Taiwan competitors' vocational uh, qualifications on the mainland, the first professional customized medical insurance in Taiwan for Taiwan, Hong Kong, and Macau competitors. Uh, we know that there is the eight main insurance and the Taiwan Compatriots Medical Insurance Service Center has been popularized throughout the province. And that is to say, with this opinion, the Taiwan compatriots in Fujian in the future, their medical, their housing, their social security, the pension, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and also children's schooling and future development and so on. We all, we all have a corresponding system of protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, the synchronization of the cross-rate common standard, we know the, the promotion of the scope of the recognition of professional qualifications in Taiwan, improvement of coordination mechanisms for rise and interest of the Taiwan businessmen and Taiwan enterprises in the mainland. The opinion is, I think, they will provide more legal source and legal basis to protect this. Mm-hmm. And also people in Taiwan, especially those in Kimen and Matsu, I heard that they're very grateful for the mainland's favorable policies towards Taiwan. Uh, they hope that in the future there will be as much as more access between the two sides of uh, Taiwan Strait, uh, which I believe will be involved in this opinion, mm-hmm. including the construction of Xiamen and Jinshan Bridge, as well as the project of electricity between Fujian and Jinmen and Mas region uh, will be reached maybe an earlier date. 
And we believe that integration and development in Fujian and Taiwan will help improve the quality of life and convenience of people from Kimen and Matsu. We can, we can imagine if the Xiamen and Jimen Bridge is completed, uh, the Xiamen and Jimen Living Circle, one day circle, will be fully realized. Mm. Then another question is, Dr. Liu, we know currently there are over 40,000 young people from Taiwan in Fujian province. So do you expect to see more people come to live and work in Fujian province as well as other places in the Chinese mainland once this demonstration zone takes effect through integrated development? Yes, um, we know that before this opinion, actually in the recent years, the mainland 31 measures, 26 measures, 11 measures, as well as Fujian's relevance. Uh, specific measures and to benefit Taiwanese people, especially the youth, have been implemented after one after another, providing a system for Taiwan youth and students to develop their talents, realize their ambitions, and, and guaranteeing equal treatment for Taiwan compatriots in the mainland. These measures have provided assistance to Taiwanese youth and students uh, in, in developing their talents, realizing their ambitions, and growing up and ensure that Taiwanese compatriots enjoy the same treatment on the mainland, which has greatly promoted cross-rate exchanges, cooperation, integration, and development, and further safeguard the well-being of our Taiwan compatriots. So today we see that this opinion gives Taiwan news an even broader stage. I think they should seize this opportunity and utilize their uh, expertise to make greater contributions in, the, in this hot land of the mainland. Fujian and Taiwan are separated by only very close, shallow water. In recent years, uh, Fujian has been actively exploring the new ways of building the first home to for Taiwanese compatriots and the Taiwanese uh, enterprises, uh, Taiwanese use uh, to promoting the construction of the new four links mm-hmm. and continuously uh, launching innovative initiatives to benefit Taiwan compatriots, especially the youth. Now the central government has issued opinions to support Fujian to accelerate the construction of this demonstration zone, uh, which I think will create a more convenient environment for the youth from Taiwan. They will surely attract more compatriots from Taiwan to set up business and prosper and enjoy their uh, living, their career in Fujian and many other places on the mainland as well. That was Dr. Liu Kuangyu, a researcher with the Institute of Taiwan Studies, Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, talking to my colleague Xu Yawen. That's all the time for this edition of World Today. To listen to this episode again or to catch up on previous episodes, you can download our podcast by searching World Today. For more, you can follow us on Twitter at CGTN Radio. I'm Ding Hunting Beijing. Thank you so much for listening. Bye for now. <laughs>